you know, living that life eventually, you know, it caught up to me. I, I went on a crime spree when I was 18. I did a bunch of second degree robberies in LA and in Orange County. I got a five year prison sentence. Um, out of those five years, I did, you know, right around four, a little over four years. I got out when I was 22 and a half years old. Um, and, you know, it was tough because all I kind of knew of love was, you know, really violence and loyalty. And mm -hmm. and that was re, you know, reaffirmed in prison. And, and then now I'm out 22 years and a half old and kind of just surviving, kind of figure out how to move around the world. And I paroled back to L.A. Um, I was two years into my parole and I was kind of still dibbling and dabbling in the street life. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was getting my hair cut one day and I walk out of the barbershop with my friends and there's a guy I know about, you know, not more than a hundred yards away from me. I see him out the corner of my eye and, you know, I see the barrel of a gun and he unloads his gun in, in my direction. My friend get hit in the face, you know, it skimmed him, but he's just bleeding mm -hmm. profusely, you know, and, and I just remember after that, I was like, man, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to get off parole in LA. I think that, you know, uh, it's more likely that I end up back in jail. I don't, I don't think if I can, I don't think I can do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I ended up calling my dad, you know, my dad, I never had a relationship with him. You know, mm -hmm. pretty much after the divorce, but he had always kept his door open. And he said that if ever I needed a place to stay, um, to try and get my life back in order that I could, you know, move with him in San Antonio, Texas, which is where he had moved to. And I took him up on the offer and I went to San Antonio, Texas. I lived with him for four years as a grown man, ex-con, tatted up, walking around the house. You know, there's a, there's an energy there and, you know, he opened his home to me and I can't say that I really learned anything from him, but in that, in that time that we had together, um, I felt what I needed to feel from him and, and that was, mm -hmm. um, his love and as, as messed up as, as he is and his own personal issues, you know, I couldn't deny that, um, his love for me wasn't genuine as, as broken as it, as it was. And, you know, once I had that realization, like it did open up a space in my heart to kind of move forward with my own issues, because I had already forgiven my mom for the abuse when I was in prison, you know, um, and I accepted her for who she is and I accepted her and her story. And I, I was able to do the same for my, for my father. I, I saw him as, as a person, as an individual, um, as a human who has his own issues and um, as a person in, in his own story, navigating life as best as he can. And mm -hmm. and then, you know, after that, I ended up moving to Denver, Colorado with, you know, with um, my older brother. And that's where kind of everything hit the fan where, um, you know, I had to face my own demons. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know how, you know. I had actually hurt people before and, and, and during those robberies, you know, no one was, you know, shot or, or physically wounded, but a lot of people were traumatized, you know, a lot of people were really hurt in different levels. And I never knew how to reconcile that to me. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I kind of just kept it as a part of me, compartmentalize it and then keep it over here and, and stuff like that. And, you know, that always bothered me. I didn't know how to deal with the, you know, the, the pain that my parents had caused me, that my mom had caused me, that my dad had caused me. I didn't know how to tell anybody that, you know, I'm really hurting inside. So I, uh, I just didn't tell anyone. I just kept going with that plan. And um, eventually it broke me down. I got in a very deep depression. Um, I didn't know how to navigate that. I just It just got worse and worse and worse. My anxiety was at all-time high. I never had panic attacks before. And, you know, I had panic attacks, one or two. And it kind of, you know, it, it's, it's wild. It's, you know, my body knows that everything is out of whack my mind can't find any rest i'm mm-hmm. i'm just beat down every day and mm-hmm. it's like the more i try to fight this this inner war the more i'd get beat down by it that i couldn't i couldn't really find a way to cope or to deal with these issues and you know i've always known i was a, a strong individual you know i've known mm-hmm. that i can i can fight my way out through things you know physically but you know, this fight, you don't, you, you can't, you can't do that. You can't be sure. tough in this, in this, um, situation. So, you know, my solution was just, you know, I just want this, this turmoil to end that's going on inside of me. And, you know, my solution was just to take my own life. And, you know, in the 11th hour, you know, I figured, you know, if, if I'm really gonna gonna do this um, and really follow through with with committing suicide, you know, what do I have to lose to cry out to God and to see if there is something really out there? And you know, in that moment of despair and hopelessness, like a part of me had hope and a part of me cried out and said, um, you know, I said I was sorry for the robberies. I'd never apologize for them. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I just cried out for help. And in that moment, I felt something miraculous. You know, I felt loved. I felt forgiven. I felt connected. I felt hope. And, you know, that moment was the catalyst for, you know, where I am now. Oh, wow. That, like, I'm grateful for you to being so radically vulnerable, I would say. And... Yeah, that's, I think that, that just speaks to the person you are, that you're sitting here today, even though you went through so many dark times, I would say. And even if you didn't know in the moment which direction you were going, but you are still here today and taken on this, I think there's a very big task of sharing people's stories, which is another giant responsibility in a way. Uh... Yeah, I, I'm like, uh, that's very powerful. I have like a lot of emotions going through me. Like I already had them while I was reading it, uh, while I was reading your story in a bit on the website itself. But how does one, like I think my question would be like, how how do you get over all of that and move forward? And that, that like kind of speaks more towards persistence and self-belief or some. Faith, of course, uh, faith in God. But how did you manage to do that? 
Yeah, you know, I had um you know, I had that moment, right? And you know, I, I had somebody ask me before, you know, if you can go back and talk to your seven year old self, six <laughs> six, seven, eight year old self, what what would you tell him? And I remember, you know, my response was wouldn't want to tell him anything. I would want him to feel something. I would want him to feel and know that he's loved truly. And I think I had that moment. You know, I don't think I know that I had that moment when I cried out to God and knowing that that is the fundamental truth of my life, that regardless of what I do, good, bad, smart, dumb, whatever, that I'm loved through it all. And that gives me the safety to move through life in a way that I had never moved through before. Um, you know, it, it gives me, it's like, a, it's like when you're lifting weights and, and you have a spotter, you lift more yeah, because you're safe. You know, it's yeah. like uh, you move more freely when you feel safe. And, you know, when I felt that regardless of what I've done or what I'll ever do, that fundamental truth of my life is that I'm always going to be loved then it gives me a freedom to move and to and to pursue things that I would have never thought possible um and I go to bat for that you know like um you know out of that moment I had a realization and I had a deep knowing of what our our common truths are and one of them is that you know our lives have inherent value that mm -hmm. there is something about each human that has intrinsic value. And a lot of us believe this, um, at least on surface level. But if this is true, then that means that our stories have just as much value. Mm -hmm. So it's not just my life, it's also my story because who am I without my story mm -hmm. as an individual? And, um, you know, I don't separate those two. You know, a lot of us, believe that our that our lives matter but when we ask ourselves or other people um well what about your story a lot of responses are like well i don't have a story mm -hmm. or my story doesn't matter much or you know my story isn't like this story and you know that's not the truth that your story there man there's 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 so many answers to what you're looking for in your own story mm -hmm. and um yeah, but, you know, that, that change and that, you know, the, the ability to move forward through all the past trauma was just always knowing that, you know, that I'm loved through this process mm -hmm. and that, um, but there's also other, other key tenets, you know, and one of them was to live an honest life, mm -hmm. to tell the truth, um, to love as best as I can, um, you know, basic human stuff that I never yeah. really like um, adhered to. So, you know, I made a decision to to live a life of integrity and and to the best of my ability and and believing that in doing so, my life will be better, so much better than it has been. Yeah, and I'm grateful for you to have made that choice. <laughs> that led me to meet you as well. And you sharing this story with the world, uh, which is, yeah, I'm getting goosebumps just sitting here and listening to you. And because I can't imagine going through all of that 
and I don't want I don't want I like I don't want to be sympathetic to you. Like I want to show empathy, but I also I'm very grateful that you had that willpower and you had that even though you had that moment where I think there was something inside you that made that decision to reach out to God. It was alive at all times. Mm-hmm. And living the life of integrity, I think that is, uh, yeah, that I think that is in our world today, it kind of sometimes is not very well understood. I think to live a life of integrity, you need to be in integrity with yourself and knowing your own actions and what you're doing. I think getting to know yourself and and moving through life with that integrity and also really liked your analogy of having a spotter while lifting weights i think that really puts into perspective of uh, a lot of times we forget uh, especially if we kind of lose our spiritual connection regardless of what you believe in if some people say universe i believe in god so some people say it's the universe some people say it's something is out there but i think it when you know that there is a higher power that is there for you regardless of what and they and that power can see everything that you're doing and still chooses to kind of take care of you so that that yeah i never thought of it in that way but that is very powerful as well so yeah <laughs> i'm lost for words <laughs> <laughs> i think my next next question would be for you how did you as you're moving through this uh, journey of living four years with your dad and then you decide this moment that okay you're going to start living a life of integrity mm-hmm. how does we are all one story come into play well yeah after after that moment um you know I was also a raging alcoholic I've been sober for close to it's going to be close to four years now okay um so I also quit drinking that was a big uh <laughs> <laughs> one of those big puzzle pieces um but yeah so everything kind of coalesced at once you know i had that that experience that spiritual experience um you know i was i started getting sober and you know i i think i realized as i was getting sober man i have a whole lot of time on my hands <laughs> <laughs> and um you know i used to always look forward to the next drink i used to always look forward to the next party to the next rush mm-hmm. to the next good time and you know kind of the the traditional mind of an addict and you know will kind of replace that in in in, in its own way with sharing stories and you know i was at rock bottom when i started sharing stories you know i was i was clawing my way out of my my depression and climbing out you know it wasn't after that moment you know, with God that, oh man, you know, I wasn't depressed anymore. It was after that moment that, you know, I had a decision to choose. Do I believe what mm-hmm. I felt to be true and then mo- shape my life around that? Or do I go back to my old ways and deny mm-hmm. the love that I had felt? And I decided to to accept it in its fullness. And, and one of the ways that I show what I believe and that what me and my brothers show what we believe is by sharing people's stories and relaying the mm-hmm. simple message that our stories matter. Like this isn't just, you know, this isn't just talk, you know, this is something mm-hmm. that we kind of wholeheartedly believe in and that, that, that we kind of give our lives to. So, you know, it all coalesced around that moment, but, um, you know, I had that realization that, Hey, my, 
my life matters. So my story matters. And, you know, I was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day. And when I think we were in Austin, Texas, we were shooting stories over there. And I was like, you know, when I first started sharing stories, you know, I think a deep part of it is, you know, I wanted, I wanted to hear as many people as I can say that their story matters so that that can remind me that my story mattered, Mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, that it can echo back into my own heart, you know, you know, and I Mm -hmm. think that's what happens, you know, you know, I hear enough stories, I hear it enough times and don't just hear it. I feel it every time somebody Mm -hmm. shares their story, like there is something special to me that happens, um, when somebody opens up and just kind of lets themselves be themselves and, you know, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how, how it shifted towards that. I had that moment, I started getting sober and I just started fixating around stories and, and life stories and, you know, how do we get, how do we get people to really know that their story has value, um, mm-hmm. regardless of what it is. And we went about and started doing that. And I, you know, it was also internal. It was also like, I always tell people, um, you know, someone sharing their story helps me tenfold. You know, I, I mm-hmm. it reminds me, you know, every time I hear somebody's story of what I'm doing it for and, and the truth of it all for, you know, for me at least. And, um, so yeah, that's the roundabout answer. <laughs> 